This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. Unholstered. Here we go. Welcome on into another edition of Unholstered. This is the show where the local media has teamed up with their local police department in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to share and tell all of the stories about our men and women in blue that don't often get told. This is an unfiltered look at all of those stories. I'm just one of your hosts. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I represent the media side, if you will, as I host a radio program here in Northeast Indiana Monday through Friday. And on the weekends, I host this show alongside Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia rosales Catina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to Unholstered. So today is going to be... Uh... A really dicey, I feel like, topic of conversation, <laughs> Sophia. And I'm just going to put it bluntly. We're talking about police killings. Um, and I, I wanted to dive into this topic for a couple of different reasons. Uh, but the big one just being the numbers that we've recently seen. And what's interesting, when you walked into the studio today, uh, you had numbers different from me when it comes to police killings. And I want to talk about why these numbers are different. But for the numbers that I found, according to the FBI, last year... 73 police officers were killed for 2021 in felonious killings. And that number is up. It's a record since 1995. And I found that to be uh, pretty horrifying. I actually found it to be pretty uh, staggering. That number is also 59% more over 2020. Uh, when you walked in and we were comparing notes, you said, well, that's not the number I have. Right. And I get my numbers from Officer Down Memorial page, which is the official page for police departments to report um, officers who've died in the line of duty, no matter how they've died. Um, there's there's a listing on there. If you go to ODMP.org, you can see the listing and they have them by year. So on ODMP, which is where we usually where I usually track it because I know those are officially put in by the departments for line of duty. Um, so they had 63 by gunfire and 17 by vehicular assault, which means purposeful hitting okay. of an officer by a car. So that's where we could get towards that 70 number then-ish, right? Yes, it'll be a little bit more yeah. than that by seven, I What's, believe. Okay, this is might be a silly question. What is a felonious killing? Because that's what, according to the FBI, 73 police officers were killed last year in a felonious killing. So that means that it was purposeful. So we have officers die all the time, uh, say like on the highway, they're in a um, traffic stop. A lot of tr state troopers unfortunately die like this because people don't pay attention. Weather's bad. They slide off the road. They hit the trooper on the side of the road. They kill the person or the officer, county, city, state police, anything like that. It's unintentional. Uh, felonious means that someone was actually purposely acting in a manner that would kill someone. So with all that being said and kind of the numbers that we have, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this report that just came out as well uh, about a week ago. 13 police officers being wounded in a shooting in 24 hours, in different shootings in 24 hours. Did you hear that story? Right. That was uh, February 11th, which was a Friday, I believe. So they had 13 officers. Five of them were shot in Phoenix, Arizona, in one incident. They had a hostage situation with a baby involved. Um, five officers were shot then. They've all survived. They all have wounds. They're still in the hospital, some of them. 
But you had nine in Phoenix total. So four other Phoenix officers were shot in different instances. And then you had officers in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Mexico rounding out the rest of the 13. And that's 24-hour period. That's crazy. So, okay, so with all these numbers that we just kind of threw out there, again, it's it's no secret we have the evidence that police killings are up, no matter which way you spread it. And I guess I want to come out of the gate with a loaded question for you, Sophia. And that is just, do you feel like there is a war on police officers right now? I think there is definite issues. Is it a full-on war? I don't know. Those are those those are loaded words. But, but you know, last week we had Darcy Robbins on, which was one of our social workers, and she brought up a very good point that language matters. Yeah. And through this whole process that we've been dealing with since 2020, since George Floyd, the protests and everything like that, language has gotten completely out of control. And I'll, I'll throw some of that on social media as well, because people get really brave. They get mm-hmm. really mean. They get really nasty on social media because it's easy. It's easy to hide behind your keyboard and say these horrible things about killing police or or take them all out or, oh, I'm glad they're dead or something like that. So, But you would never, ever, most people are not going to go up to another person and say that face-to-face right. because most of the time there are ramifications when you do those kinds of right. things. But, and I'm not saying that is right, <laughs> but... At the same time, you know, it's really easy to type those on a computer hiding behind that. Most people don't use their real names. You know, everybody's got these fake accounts and everything. Um, So it's really easy to do that. So I think language matters. And the language that people have had about police and they've blown things up completely out of perspective. We have about 800 to 900,000 police officers in the United States. And of that, we have over a million and a half Um, interactions with the public every year. And of that, in 2021, 1,055 people were shot and killed by the police. 85% of those people were armed. 15% were not. That doesn't mean that that, um, they weren't um, involved in a physical altercation Mm -hmm. with police or something like that where where they had, you know, shot and killed. Um, But the numbers are, are not that Big. Yeah, I know. I, I I hate to put it that way too, Sophia, because any lost life is life is always tragic. Absolutely. But when you're talking about the grand scheme, you just said over 800,000 police officers across the U.S. Right. and just over a thousand people were killed by an officer. They were right? shot and killed by police. Yes. And and by comparison, if you look, medical malpractice last year took 251,000 lives. Yeah, but no one talked about that. No one. No one is asking to to defund and totally throw out everything that doctors do Mm -hmm. because of that, right? So I think we have to come back to the table and actually look at these in a perspective that that is not with emotion, but with fact. Yeah, this rhetoric, I feel like, uh, this defund the police movement, it has created a really dangerous culture and dangerous environment when it comes to police officers. Because when folks say defund the police, like you said, words matter, language matters. People need to be aware of, of what they are, in fact, defunding. And look at the cities that we, and we all know who they are. I'm not, I'm not going to go into the politicalness of this, but we, we can look at these different cities that have started taking on and going down that route. And we can see where they are, just their crimes or crime stats are out of control. There's lawlessness. There's a zone set up where people are dying. People are being raped. People are being killed. And nothing is happening. Um, so I think we can look at those areas and we can see that this is not a route 
that the United States wants to go out at a hole. Mm-hmm. And you can see that some of these areas like Minneapolis, for, for instance, you know, they were really big on the defund the police mm-hmm. and they moved forward in, in their city council and actually defunded their police department. They lost hundreds of people. They're hundreds below where they should be in, in terms of personnel. But not only that, they are now reallocated even more money than they had set out for them before because they're trying to get the crime under control mm-hmm. again. So they're trying to hire police officers, but no one's applying because nobody wants to be in an atmosphere where they're not supported. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you've been uh, serving on law enforcement for well over 20 years. Yes. Um, can you give us a little insight to that? To A, I mean, what it's like to just do your job and have people yelling left and right every day, defund the police, because if people were saying that about my job, that I mean, that would make it even more challenging <laughs> than it is. Uh, but B, just give us some insight what goes through your mind every day when you're taking a call. And I mean, geez, any call could be the next call where you're shot at. You know, I worked a long time on the street. That was where my heart is. It's still there. Um, and it, you know, we're still going to go out. We're still going to do it. But how motivated can you be when you have someone at you all the time telling you how horrible you are, telling you how worthless you are, how your life doesn't matter, and what you're doing doesn't matter? I, I mean, we don't do that to children. We don't do that to spouses or friends or loved ones, or even we don't do that to strangers on the street, right? Because we know that demoralizing someone can make them feel uh, worthless. Mm-hmm. And I don't get my, um, my my center of who I am by what people say about me. I, I'm, I'm truly a centered person. I can say that now at 50. But at 25, when most people start this career, I don't know that they have that self-sense of purpose. You know, they're still trying to find it. Um, It took me a long time on this job to to find that thing. But when you're in this constant barrage of just belittling and demoralizing and shaming language, it matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nobody does this for the pay. Nobody does this for the pay. Um, I could probably step out of this field right now, given my experience and everything, and f- probably make double what I'm making mm-hmm. here. But I have love for this community. I have love for my job, and I have passion for my job. So this is why I stay. But I'm telling you, younger folks in a lot of these departments are leaving in high numbers because you know, no one wants to work at a place where you're not valued. You know, Sophia, I get it. I mean, no, I don't get it, obviously, as a police officer. But that that level of just being demoralized day after day after day here where I work and the field that I work in, in the media, we've been slammed in our own ways and in different ways from from mm-hmm. police officers, for example. And people are dropping from my own company like flies left and right right now. Yeah. Why? Because they can't take it anymore. That constant barrage of attack and disrespect and just feeling demoralized day after day after day for just simply delivering <laughs> news headlines. Right. You can't take it anymore. Every yeah. person has a ceiling that eventually they will hit or they're going to hit or they just can't take it anymore. And I, for one, am thankful, you know, that you and your 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 fellow police officers have been taking it because I know you guys have been taking a lot of heat for the last several years at this point. We have, but I, but I want to preface it with this. We've also been shown a lot of... Um, compassion and gratitude um, from folks in this community, from the administration, from city council, from our own administration. You know, we have not had, you know, we're always going to have our detractors. We're never going to get rid of those. And I think most of us know that. But to have a community rally around you when things are going bad 
is is yeah. enormous. Yeah. And it just it makes me feel so good when I can put out those messages of encouragement that people send us. Um, that you know, some people, hey, I want to drop down twenty pizzas. Where can I take those for your officers? Oh, you know, that's awesome. Um, we have places that, hey, I want to feed your guys a bunch of. Uh, a barbecue or I want to feed your guys a bunch of tacos or something and someone will drop stuff off or, or cookies and and things like that and it's just that little bit of appreciation that man it just makes our men and women just smile from ear to ear because we don't always get that and it's not like we're looking for that stuff every day we're just not we just want to come to work we want to do our job and we want people to know that we're doing the best we can mm-hmm. we're not perfect in any way but we are doing the best we can with you know, everyday troubles like everyone else has, and then we're going to deal with your stuff on top of that many, many times over on a shift. In terms of police killings then, you know, when, when you do go out for a call, and I know you're not on the street per se anymore, but you just said that's re- really where your heart is, and I know you've spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Um, what's that like? Just give us a little bit of insight into when you get that call. Is it every every single time you get a call, are you thinking this could be it? I mean, does it even <laughs> enter your brain? I mean, I don't I don't know. Well, I don't think that that's like at the forefront of my brain. Um, you know, there was a quote, and I and I use it often. It said, "Courage is not the absence of fear, but the judgment that something is more important than fear." And for me, safety for this community is more important than my fear. Um, the elephant in the room is we we all know that we what we stand to lose. Yeah, we know that going in every day. Um, but we do it anyway, because this is what we're called to do. This is what we're supposed to do. This is our job. And it's not like I don't think about it, especially as a single mom. You know, now it's like my my kids already lost the dad. So now what if they lose me? That's always in the back of my mind. And, you know, it could be just coming to and from work in an accident. It could be, you know, going out to help someone on a run because ambushes are up. Um, last year, 115% from 2020. Jeez. And it's just, it's hard to kind of put into perspective, but, but it's something we don't think about every day. We don't look, run, look at these numbers and like, oh my gosh, today's the day or well, tomorrow. Well, you know, but that's the thing that with these numbers that when they did come out, that's immediately what, you know, we were talking about what kind of episode we wanted to do next or what we wanted yeah. to hit on. I immediately wanted to talk about this because when I see those numbers and if I'm a police officer, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know if this <laughs> is the field for me anymore. I mean, up 59% over 2020, according to the FBI. That's crazy. And then you just said ambushes are up, too. So that's why, I, you know, I just get genuinely curious if that kind of worry or fear is at the forefront of your brain. But I, I like what you said. I like that quote. I might steal it myself and carry it with me. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, something else that we've talked about a lot here on the show is just mental health and mental health checks and checking in on yourself, checking in on your, your colleagues. How important is that, especially at a time when, obviously, killings are up? It's really important, and I'm proud to announce that our peer support team just launched launched an at-base um, program for our officers for mental health. So they can do it right from their phone. They can look to see who in this um, community is, is providing services for specifically for law enforcement because we know that we're just a different type of person. Yeah. 
and what our our issues that we have are just different than than most people's. So it's nice to have a, a group of counselors and therapists available for officers that they can just find the information readily available and for their families to do that as well for them if need be. We still have our peer support team that that any officer can say, hey, can you check up on this person or hey, can you check up on that person? And, you know, as someone in command now, I really take mental health to heart for the people under my command. And I, I, I try to check up on them. You know, we have squad meetings. We check in. If I know someone's struggling with something, I just had a baby. You know, it's nice to congratulate them. Um, I just had two officers leaving my quadrant to go to another quadrant, and I sent them, you know, best wishes um, mm -hmm. where they're going. And sorry to lose you because you were good officers in my <laughs> quadrant. So, um, but it's things like that. It's you know, it, it, DC McKinney and I both feel very strongly that people matter. And when you have good, happy people under your command, you'll have really good, happy officers who are tactically sound, who are knowledgeable in what they do, and who aren't afraid to ask questions when they don't know the answer. Because you, I don't expect the people I command to know everything all the time. And sometimes that creates a little bit of difficulty when you're trying to ask a question because you don't want to ask, ask it because you feel dumb. But I want them to ask it. I want them yeah. to feel comfortable coming to me and asking me, no matter what the question is, if it's personal, if it's private, if it's job related, whatever. I just want them to feel comfortable coming to me and asking that. And I, I try to build that in our, my leadership, as I've learned from D.C. McKinney. Kind of on that note, especially, you know, just talking about mental health, what about families? I mean, you just sat here and openly said, you know, my kiddos have already lost their dad. I, you know, I'm sure they're worried about their mom day in and day out. But, I mean, just families in general, I cannot imagine being married to a police officer or really a first responder of, of any type, whether a firefighter or what have you. That would just – I would be just scared every day uh, to lose, you know, my spouse. How does it take its toll on families? It takes its toll pretty hard. I mean, divorce is always high in this line of work and all first responder across the board. Um, it takes someone very special um, and – I think for families, it's a, it's a constant worry, but like ourselves, you kind of put that to the back of your mind. But I know, um, I know when I always came home, the Velcro on my vest, mm -hmm. you know, the rip on it, you know, like this, was, a, I guess, solace to my spouse. A comforting friend. Yeah, that she's home. Yep. She's safe. Um, and I think, you know, that's the tried and true kind of relationship you want. Um, I don't want someone to constantly worry about me. Concern is great. Um, and I know in the back of their minds that they're always worried about their, their loved one out here because it's dangerous times. Mm -hmm. It just is. I mean, the stats back that up. Um, and until we can get back to a place where we can have rational conversation with facts and not emotion, then we'll start to that's, see the turn here. That's the million dollar question. How do we get back to that? How do we prevent all of these police officer killings? I think the pendulum is swinging back. It's slow. You do. Why do you I think do. that? I uh, do. Because you can hear people being more vocal. You can hear these communities saying, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> so let's go that's back true. the other way. That's true. Um, and like I've said before, I am not opposed to looking at policies and things um, that may need a second look because they're not working for us. But I, what I am concerned about is when communities throughout the whole thing without a proper plan in place mm -hmm. to take that over. And that's what these communities have done. And yeah. they have, it, I'm going to call them out, they've utterly failed. Mm -hmm. And the main purpose of, one of the main purposes of government is to keep communities safe. Whether it's by military, whether it's by police departments, the, the military keeps our country safe. The 
police keep our community safe. Um, so that is the main one of the main tenets of government. Um, so I think we need to look at that and see the proper place for each part. What do we, what do we do in in cities and areas like Minneapolis, like you mentioned? You know, they kind of restructured. <laughs> let's put it that way. Restructured a little bit. Uh, their police department by a little bit, I mean a lot. And now police officers don't even want to work in Minneapolis. You've got uh, the, uh, a candidate running for mayor in L.A., for example. He is running on like, hey, we need to fully fund our police again. But, you know, what do you do with those police officers where it's like kind of damage has already been done in some of these cities, you know? Or, or, uh, nope, I'm not going to go work for that department. Nope, I'm not going to go serve there. I'm going to go move to Fort Wayne, Indiana. They have a great police department. I mean, what do you do for your colleagues who have kind of been burned by a lot of this rhetoric? Uh, what we do is we welcome into our welcome them into our community if they're good, solid officers. That's what we do. Um, my concern here is for our department and our community here. Um, this is where I do my work. Now, if we're talking on a, on a national level, you know, I, I'm not going to say to heck with them, um, but elections matter. Yeah, yeah. And... If you stay silent during the election process, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, mm -hmm. right? Um, because this is what these communities have voted for in this in this great American experiment, experiment right? Um, and the experiment has gone completely sideways. I don't think people were expecting this to be what it is. I don't know how you reel it in, honestly, unless you come in with something completely opposite of what you had before and just start to rebuild. But you know, the level of trust is broke. Right, it is, it is. It's broken, and it and for me, man, honesty and integrity is, is number one, and when you lose that, I mean, it's really hard to get that back. So what advice would you give then these police officers who are struggling because they have been burned by defund the police and they've burned, been burned by their mayors, they've been burned by their governors, they've been burned by their community, you know, but yet, they, just like you, they have yeah. this heartbeat that they were called to serve and protect, I mean, what advice would you give to them maybe listening right now saying, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be for me or not. I would honestly tell them to talk with their families because, you know, this is a family decision. The whole job of policing, um, you know, you really should talk with your family if you're going to get into policing. If you're thinking about leaving for another area that, you know, it's going to affect your whole family. So you're going to have to have that family discussion. But, you know, I get that it's really difficult to leave the community that you were born yeah, and raised that, yeah. in. It's super difficult. And you want to stay and fight because, man, I don't know that I could leave Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, this is where my family is. This is where I where I need to build it back and make it better. I would say stay the course mm -hmm. um, unless you're like someone who doesn't really have family in the city you're in and you can pack up and leave to go somewhere else that may be more welcoming. You know, that's your option to do that. You're free to move about and do that. And there are opportunities for you to do so. But if you're entrenched in that community and you want to stay and fight, then I say fight for your community. It's worth fighting for. I don't want to if, if Fort Wayne had taken a turn and went the complete other way, I would still be here. I would still be fighting. I would still be doing shows like this and introducing facts and, and getting away from the emotional aspect because emotions run really high. Yeah. And we've talked before when emotions are high, rationale is low. And the point that we need to get to is where they're um, more balanced so we can have rational discuss discussions with less emotion and more fact brought in because facts matter. Mm -hmm. And they matter facts so... Facts don't care about your no, opinions. No, they don't care about your feelings <laughs> no. either. And and they can't. So, you know, when we, we get into this whole feel-good aspect of, of 
of governing, it, that's where we start to go yeah, sideways. Yeah. Um, and instead of just dealing with what's working, what's not, um, we're dealing with, we're just throwing, trying to throw everything out and start from the beginning. Well, not everything needs to be thrown out. Has the Fort Wayne Police Department seen a lot of um, lateral officers coming in from other parts of the country where it's like, you know what, it's not working out for me in I mean, Minneapolis. I'm just throwing it out there, but not necessarily from there. But have you seen a lot of those lateral moves? We are seeing an increase in our lateral applications that are coming in through interview now. We have not done a big push yet. We, we had it slated, but we we're... Tr- because of budget reasons, we don't know whether or not we're going to be holding. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do now. We're going to have to hold a class, a lateral class. Um, but we are seeing uh, applicants. I think we had some from New Mexico, and we had some from Pennsylvania, and some uh, California. I mean, not in high numbers, but we have about 29, almost 30 in our pool right now, which is probably some of the biggest numbers we've seen. Um, but like this last uh, class, we had one officer from Sacramento, hmm. uh, one officer from NYPD. Um, so we're getting officers from other communities. And, and the NYPD moved here for uh, spouse reasons. She got a job here. Um, and so he moved with her. But but California, Sacramento, he made that move because he picked Fort Wayne. He could have picked anywhere wow. he wanted to go. He picked Fort Wayne because of the community. Uh, the, the administration and the police department. I just want to end with a full wrap up here, Sophia, because like usual, we're up against the clock. Can you just read your stats one more time? Because that, that is what we're talking about here. And I just want to drive home the fact that police killings are up. They are up. Um, ambush is up 115 percent. Um, th- 130 officers were shot in the increase um, and thir- 30 were killed in those ambush attacks. And we have 63 officers die by gunfire and 17 by vehicular assault. So um, I, I'm 2021. Gonna, in 2021. And How I want to- Do we have any so far for 2022? So in 2022, we've had 55 officers shot Jeez. this year and five have died by gunfire and three by vehicular assault. So the, you know, the threat is real and we know that, um, but we're still here to do our job. And I, ju- I want to close this out because this quote just there was an officer who died in Baltimore, a mother of four. She was ambushed in her squad car as she was pulling an overtime shift. And her sister said this quote, and it just resonated with me, and I just have to read it. Uh, the officer was Keona Holly, and her sister, um, Lawanda Sykes, she said she left the house every day and dug her feet into the dirt to serve the city. And that is exactly what every officer does every day for this community and all around this country. And I want people to realize that and understand that and know that we are out here to serve. And, you know, we have taken on that responsibility and we've also taken on that possible threat to our life. And we're willing to do that because we believe in what we're doing. Amen to that, Sophia. Really quick on a, on a lighter note. <laughs> What's happening next week? I don't know. Is next week even a lighter note? Uh, we'll make it a lighter We'll note. make it How's a lighter that? note. All right, sounds good. <laughs> this is your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Podcasts by Federated Media.